We need 
the storms may come, I am holding on, and to the rock I cling. How can I keep from singing? Had it not been the Lord who was on our side, had it not been the Lord who was on our side, the anger of the enemy would have swallowed us alive. Had it not been the Lord who was on our side, blessed be the Lord who not give us up. Blessed be the Lord for his unfailing love. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Had it not been the Lord who was on our side. Welcome to the second service at Preston Crest 
My name is Randy Tucker. I have the privilege to serve as one of the elders here. And we're certainly grateful for your uh, attendance today, whether you're here in person with us or uh, virtually uh, through our streaming service. Please take the time now to uh, text the word check-in to the 469-476-5331 number. It'll give us an opportunity to uh, have, you'll have access to our bulletin and some of the upcoming activities. And anytime through the week, you can text the word me to that number and have access to our directory, other things of, of interest, uh, an opportunity to provide prayer requests and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, as a reminder, next week is our Pumpkin Fest uh, activity, our outreach to the community. Uh, I heard I had an update from Rebecca Sutton as of this morning that we still were in need of a couple of folks to help with the popcorn preparation. Uh, we need 13 trunks, and maybe maybe that's already being met, where you'll be able to pass out candy, and that'll be provided. 20 additional baked goods were still needed, and we needed help with setup and cleanup volunteers. This is a big outreach for us in the community. I think over 1,500 last year, Gordon. It was a big 1,600 big turnout last year, and so it's a great opportunity for us to reach out and love on our community and uh, have an opportunity for them for know more about uh, our work here. Uh, as we go to worship this morning, our scripture reading is taken from Psalms 86, verses 9 through 10. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and we declare your majesty glory and power as the one and true God, the creator of heavens and earth, our champion and defender. Thank you for meeting our needs. And Father, help us to be grateful and content. And may we always look for opportunities to show kindness and hospitality and to live lives of welcome, Father. Help us to meet the needs of those who are fatherless, who are who are widowed, those dealing with loneliness, especially in this time of isolation for so many. And Father, we know that we daily fall short to live holy and upright lives. Please forgive our sins and help us to learn to forgive as you've forgiven us. And may we always live at peace and shine the light of your Son in our lives. Father, we know that Satan is constantly looking to devour, and we ask that you guard our hearts and minds as we seek to glorify you. And we ask this in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. On joy When shall I reach that happy place? 
Be seated, please. We're going to sing one more song, and then Scott Wilkinson is going to come and lead us during this time of communion.
Good morning, church. Um, as we prepare for communion, I came across a story I thought kind of worth thinking about a little bit this morning. Uh, during the 19th century, Ireland was stick stricken with the potato famine, which we've probably all heard that story. Many Irish immigrated to America at that time. And there was a young Irish boy. He stowed away on, American -bound sh on an American-bound ship. While at sea, the ship struck an iceberg and it began to sink. The people scrambled frantically for the lifeboats and the captain supervised the activity. The captain was the last to leave the sinking vessel. However, when he looked back at the ship, he saw the young stowaway coming out from hiding. So the brave captain ordered the lifeboat to return back to the sinking ship. He climbed aboard and he rescued the boy. He put the boy in the seat that had been vacated. It was the only available place on the lifeboat. As the lifeboat slowly pulled away from the sinking ship a second time, leaving the captain to go down with the ship, he yelled out to the boy, son, never forget what has been done for you today. So we think, well, of course, I mean, who could forget that? But then we remember what was done for us and how often we forget and are focused on other things. As we take this Lord's Supper today, I hope we will focus our minds and to truly reflect on the fact that Jesus Christ has saved us. Luke twenty-two nineteen says, And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, as we come before you this morning, we're thankful for the sacrifice of your son. We're thankful that we can come together as a body of believers to worship you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. The next verse, Luke 22, chapter 20. Uh, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was poured out for you. Would you pray again with me, please? Uh, Dear Lord, we thank you for the blood that was spilled for our sins, that we may be forgiven. That Jesus took our sins to the cross, that we may be saved. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen.
Well, you may be in this assembly this morning and prepared to, to give an offering. And if that is the case, you can drop that offering in a, a box that is squarely in the middle of our foyer this morning and uh, when we are concluded here. If you choose to give online, as so many of you are doing that, we, we are thankful for that, however you choose to give t- to uh, build up the kingdom business here in this place. We are thankful for that. You're going to see in just a second a video that Bob Chisholm made, well, that Robert made, but Bob Chisholm's voice is, uh, is over this, and it's about spiritual formation, and you'll learn more about that. But I'm thankful for that work. Last year, I went through one of his spiritual formation groups, and when he asked me, I said, Bob, my clock only has one five, and it's p.m. <laughs> but I did the group at 5.30 in the morning, and... Yeah, I was blessed every single morning. Spiritual Formation Church, Bob is is working in small groups all throughout our church, and, and I know many of you have been a part of this, but it's changing us. It's deepening us. So let's uh, let's bow as we pray and are thankful for the good works of this church. Father God, we are thankful indeed for how you bless us, how you bring opportunities to our, into our path, opportunities to give, opportunities to serve, opportunities to stop and to spend time with you, to discuss spiritual things, to discuss your word. Father, bless us as we give this morning. May our week be a week full of praise and a week full of giving. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hello, Preston Crest. This is Bob Chisholm, the Spiritual Formation Minister. But what is spiritual formation? Well, clearly the name itself gives us a clue. It's about our spirit, our soul, our inward being. And it's about allowing God to form, to shape, and to build our soul. It's not an event, a retreat, a book, or a class. It's a lifetime of giving ourselves to God, asking Him to change us from the inside, to take us from where we are to where He wants us to be. Here at Preston Crest, we offer a year-long spiritual journey where we study the spiritual disciplines. We experience weekend retreats of silence, solitude, and community where we step away from our schedules and our technology and we experience the beauty and the clarity of God's creation. We offer classes and small groups that explore the spiritual life. We provide a variety of spiritual resources and we offer monthly one-on-one spiritual direction experiences. Check out our website and find out how spiritual formation can help you. Church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church right now. We're going to sing a good, old, favorite hymn. And then Gordon's going to come and share with us this morning. There is beyond the edge of blue.
728B. There you go. Isn't it weird that that song got a B? I mean, 728B. It's like we forgot this song. We're going to tape it in there. It's 728. What was 728A? That's a great Church of Christ trivia question right there. Don't answer now, but somebody look that up and tell me after church. There has to be an answer to what was the actual 728. Oh, yeah, Pumpkin Fest volunteers, just get on the website. You'll see, uh, you can get on a space there where you can see actual how many were lacking and click on whatever it is you're interested in. Uh, and we had 1,600 plus last year. We'll maybe have more this year, so that means we need lots of help. And it is really, really fun. So you'll enjoy helping us out. Um, today we are finishing up our pause series. And we have been considering this rhythm of work and rest that God built into us and built into the entire natural world from the beginning. These sacred rhythms, we're learning about them and learning how to get back into that because God designed us to thrive in that place where we work and we rest. Isaiah chapter 58. Keep the Sabbath holy. That means apart, separate. Keep the Sabbath holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. Speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. As I was reading that sacred text this week, I was thinking, okay, so what is the center of gravity in those words from God to us. Hint, it's not you. It's not me. God's advice for the Sabbath is dial back the you and dial up the Lord. It's less of me, it's more of him, and it is exactly what I need. He is my life. He is my Savior. He's my Creator. And so I need this rhythm, this, this time that is set apart, that's holy to the Lord, to dial back in, to reconnect. Jesus understood this. Jesus understood this. And really, this is what put him at odds with the Sabbath police. This is what put him at odds with the religious scholars and authorities of his time. Because for them, in first century Israel, it was very much about them. About the job that they did in following all of the rules. So many rules, 24 chapters in the Mishnah of rules. It was about their spiritual performance in getting everything just so on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath 
had become laden with the freight of self-righteousness and complicated protocols to be followed. The Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus, called people back to this day. The Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath, he told us last week. So some of these intervals of rest that we're looking at in Isaiah 58, we see several of them, these rhythms of the Sabbath. One of them is, on this day, I turn away from my profit-making, from my to-do list, from my career objectives, and I give my full attention to God. Don't pursue Verse 13, your own interests on that day. Don't get ahead on this day. I find enjoyment, verse 14, I find enjoyment in the presence of the Lord and just being with my creator God. Let the Lord be your delight on the Sabbath day. Doesn't sound like a burden to me. Sounds like a blessing. And I rest in the knowledge that he as he has up to this point, will continue to take care of me. God promises, I will honor you. I will, I like this word, satisfy you. I will satisfy you. That only comes from God. So Jesus, he had these rhythms sort of baked into each week of his life, into the way that he lived. He was attentive to God. He paid attention to the Father. He had this security in knowing that God had sent him here, that God was taking care, that God would see him through to the end. He knew that his father had his back. And he knew that his life had no meaning and no power separate from the father. A few years back, a recently retired Chicago businessman, wealthy Chicago businessman, had an opportunity with his wife to take a vacation to Belize. This man on his downtime loved more than anything else to fish. So relaxing. And so he hired a local fisherman and his boat to go out early in the morning, still dark, to go out and spend a day on the water fishing in the best spots just off the shore. And so that's what they did. And he had never had a better day of fishing than that one. I mean, they just pulled in beautiful fish after fish. And the best thing about that day, though, wasn't the haul of fish. It was the relationship. He got to know this guy a little bit. They had a bit of a friendship there that kind of developed there on the boat. And when they got back, the poor fisherman from Belize said, hey, come back here to my house. It's right here on the beach. My wife and I will clean the fish. We will cook the fish. We'll have a nice meal together tonight. So later on that day, got cleaned up and they went back there for dinner. They enjoyed so much this meal in this very humble shack there on the seaside. Enjoyed some good conversation. Afterwards, he and this fisherman were enjoying some coffee on the porch, listening to the waves crashing against the beach. And the American investment banker decided it was his chance to deliver a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of, of capitalism 
teaching to this fisherman to kind of help him out. So he said, hey, if you went out more times a day on that boat, you know you could catch more fish. And this poor fisherman said, okay, well, why would I want to catch more fish? And the American kind of laughed and said, well, if you were to catch more fish, you would sell more fish, you would make more money. And that fisherman from Belize said, and why would I want to do that? Why, why would I want to make more money? The retired banker kind of chuckled at this naivete. Guy obviously doesn't understand the principles of capitalism. He said, well, if you make more money, you could buy a bigger boat. The fisherman said, okay, why would I want a bigger boat? <laughs> and the American said, I don't think you're getting it. He said, you buy a bigger boat, you can haul in more fish, then you can buy more boats, you can hire staff to put on those boats, and you can multiply your business. But why would I want to do that? Why would I want to multiply my business? The American banker said, look, if you keep expanding your business, someday you will be able to retire a wealthy man like me. The poor fisherman said, okay, but why would I want to retire a rich man like you? At this point, the banker was slightly offended. <laughs> like, well, if you retire a wealthy man like me, then you can come down here to Belize and hang out on a beach and spend your days fishing. <laughs> At which point the fisherman kind of nodded his head and said, Americans are crazy. There's a couple things about that story. One is, what is your life about? Like, what is the mission? What is the purpose? Why are you here? And the other question, which is more interesting, what if the greatest treasure of life is actually right in front of you, and for whatever reason you don't see it, or you're not accessing it? What if what life is all about is there for the taking, and you're missing it somehow? And Jesus is the one who said, I've come to give you life and give you life in abundance. And Jesus translated that into very simple ideas. He says in Matthew chapter 22, you've probably heard this before, my paraphrase here. He said, life is about loving God and loving people made in the image of God. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, not only are these the two most important things about life, the, the two pillars of Scripture, he said, everything in the Bible, everything hinges on this. Everything else in Scripture is a footnote on loving God and loving your neighbor. In chapter 22, verse 40, Jesus said, on these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Read that with me, if you would. On these two commandments depend all of the law 
and the prophets. That is the Tanakh. That is the Old Testament. That is the entire Bible that they had access to. It's all about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. It's all encapsulated right there, the meaning of life in those two commands. And so in Genesis chapter 2, rolling back all the way to the beginning, God gives us a Shabbat. Actually, he takes the first Shabbat which we talked about, that word simply means, that Sabbath or Shabbat simply means to cease, to pause, to rest. And God worked for six days, creating the world, the universe, and then he took a day and he did nothing. He rested from his work. And then he invites his people, generation after generation, to recognize and honor and enjoy this sacred rhythm that he baked into the universe from the beginning. And Jesus shows up, right, in the New Testament. Jesus, God in flesh, the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who made the universe. Jesus shows up. And things over the generations had become so lost. You see, it got codified on, on, the, on Mount Sinai. It became one of the, the big ten of God, one of the ten commandments, the Sabbath. And, 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 and suddenly people had started losing the meaning of this. They turned it into a burden. They turned it into a whole bunch of obligations. And when God actually showed up, the one who came up with the Sabbath... And Jesus went around keeping the Sabbath. It looked to the religious scholars like he was breaking the Sabbath. That is how off everything had gotten. A.J. Swoboda wrote a book, love the title, Subversive Sabbath. And this is one of the things he had to say in this book. The Sabbath is a gift that we do not know how to receive. In a world of doing, going, and producing, we have no use for a gift that invites us to stop. But that is the original gift, a gift of rest. Of course, at the world's beginning, God finishes the very first week by extending to the whole of creation a gift, a day to stop, breathe, cease, enjoy, feast. God named it Sabbath. That Sabbath day, time honored and approved, has sustained and nourished human communities and all of creation since the origins of the world Still, like many of God's gifts, we have struggled to receive it. In church life, we bicker over its validity. We argue over what day Sabbath has to be. We get trapped in Sabbath rules and nuanced doctrinal rationale for why we no longer need to seriously consider it. I love this line. Religion hates free stuff. Religion hates free stuff. Religion squanders the good gifts of God by trying to earn them. Which is why we never really enjoy a sacred day of rest as long as we think our religion is all about earning. And I think back on those words from the prophet Isaiah And I think about, yes, it's not 
about us. The word of the Lord through Isaiah is constantly about turning away from our earning, from our doing, and turning into him. Sabbath is truly a gift. Your Sabbath day may be a Sunday, it may be a Wednesday, whatever day it is, it is your day to rest and it is your day to remember the finished work of Jesus. The most important work in terms of you, your happiness, and your future is finished. That's the word Jesus spoke at Calvary. And so it's your day to stop worrying And it's your time to remember what matters most. And what matters most is not how much you make. It is not what you create. It is not what you build. It is not what you planned. What matters most is what Jesus did for you at Calvary. And so Sabbath is about connecting to the presence of God and to the promise that we have in Jesus, the good news. We rest in that certainty that our eternal future is guaranteed. It is secure in Jesus. On Sabbath, we rest from our work and we reconnect with the one who matters most, with God. We reconnect to our spiritual family. We reconnect to our biological family. And in finding this sacred rhythm of Sabbath... We don't lose our lives. We don't get further behind. We find that we gain our lives. That we find ourselves. That we walk away from Sabbath more us. Children of God. And less children of consumerism and workaholism. False gods of this age. Think about Jesus for a second. Luke makes an observation in Luke 5, 16 that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Just consider. He often withdrew. He often retreated. He often pulled away to the wilderness to spend time with God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but really, how many hours did Jesus waste, like, with this? I mean, how many people, dozens, hundreds, thousands, could he have healed if he hadn't withdrawn, if he hadn't retreated, if he hadn't gotten away from the people? How many more could he have fed? How many more lessons? How many more sermons could he have taught? How much more truth could he have expounded to the world if he hadn't wasted all of that time? And seriously, Jesus, his public ministry was only three years long, give or take. 36 months, and a lot of it was him often withdrawing, where he wasn't doing, where he wasn't healing, where he was not teaching. On the other hand, 
has any human in history ever accomplished so much as Jesus? Has any person ever put their mark on the world quite like Jesus did in three years of public ministry? Something to think about. Maybe resting isn't a waste of time. Maybe connecting with God, time spent doing that is not time falling behind. Maybe it's the most important, most vital, most powerful thing we can build into our lives. To quote the great 20th century theologian Winnie the Pooh, don't underestimate the value of doing nothing, of just going along, listening to all the things you can't hear. What if the life that you are supposed to have is right in front of you? What if the voice of your creator and your savior is right there speaking to you, but you never hear it because you never stop? And you miss it. So here are a few ideas for shaping Sabbath. This is not an exhaustive list and we've talked about flexibility, principle over procedure during this series. So what works for you to connect with God, to pause, may not work for someone else. Playing golf may be great Sabbath for somebody. Someone else may be so competitive and get so worked up, it is absolutely not restful. Right? I know some of you guys. Right? It depends. Now some of these are definitely universal principles like rest, <laughs> resting has to be part of Sabbath. It's part of that original commandment in Exodus chapter 20, you shall not do any work on the Sabbath. Gathering for worship, this has been part of the Sabbath for God's people forever. Gathering for corporate worship. Jesus, according to Luke chapter 4, 16, as was his custom, that word is important there, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue, he went to church on the Sabbath. It's what he did. Sabbath day, I'm going to go to the synagogue, that's where God's people are, I'm going to worship with God's people. I understand this has been a rough last year and a half or so. Some customs, some habits have been interrupted by a global pandemic, and maybe it's time to get back to this custom. It matters. It matters. We are followers of Jesus. Jesus had the custom of going to the synagogue on the Sabbath to worship. Now, you may come back. I've heard people say, well, that's where the, that's where the crowds were. Jesus wanted to teach. Look, when you perform miracles, you don't need to go where the crowds are. I don't know if you've noticed this about Jesus. The crowds come to you. He wasn't looking for a crowd. He was looking for God's people to connect and to worship with them. It's a day to remember. 
Remember, Deuteronomy 5.15, explaining the purpose of the Sabbath. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there. And we get so wrapped up, so encumbered, so buried in our responsibility. Somebody texted me this morning. They were at the office working and listening to this sermon and felt rather um, spoken to. And sometimes we get so buried and we get, we're so drowning in work. We need to remember that God brought us to salvation. He may not have literally brought us out of Egypt. But he brought us from slavery to sin and shame and hopelessness. He brought us out into the promised land of the gospel of Christ. And we pause and we remember and we are better because of that. We unplug, we unplug. I would say consider setting the phone aside or at least not picking it up every 20 seconds. Isaiah 58 talks about avoiding idle talk. They didn't have smartphones phones in 8th century B.C., but I kind of think if God was speaking through Isaiah's pen today, he might say, on the Sabbath, Maybe set that phone down or at least don't look at it quite as often. Idle talk, idle thoughts, trivial pursuits. Unplug from those. Enjoy nature. Play. Spend time with family. So let me ask you something. Have you trusted in the finished work of Jesus? Have you surrendered to the gospel? Baptism is this amazing moment in the life of a believer where they accept the gospel, where they wear it, and you don't baptize yourself It is not about what you do. It is not some work that you perform before the Lord. Baptism is a receiving of the forgiveness of your sins. Thank you, God. It is a receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Baptism is him setting your story in his story, delivering you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And maybe it's your time to cross that line of faith Lay down your burden and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe today you simply need the prayers of God's people. They are surrounding you right now. You can pray with somebody sitting next to you. Pray with your family. Walk across the auditorium and pray with someone else because you know they're carrying a burden or you're carrying a burden that you need help with. Come down and pray with me or Randy. Let's respond as we stand together and worship. Oh, praise the name of the Lord.
we certainly appreciate the series on pause as we look to uh, reclaim life and uh, rediscover rest. We are grateful for your preparation for that. As we conclude today, I'd ask you to please uh, remember to be back uh, at 6 this evening for our continuing series on encounters with Jesus. And uh, if you would please read with me our take-home passage today from Matthew 6, 33. Let's read together. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the church says, amen.